But to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here in Nashville, Tennessee, pal, I'm the man. Ric Flair and Steamboat, you're going to be mine. Woo! Good morning, and welcome to episode 93 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus Daily Podcast, coming to you from the Gaylord Opryland Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. I am Ben Lindbergh, and coming to you from boring old Long Beach, California, in the Honda Fit is Sam Miller. Uh, Hello, Sam. Yeah, but I'm more relaxed than you. Uh, I guess. I'm just alone in my hotel room here. I could be anywhere in the world. I, ha- I, <laughs> I happen to be in Nashville, Tennessee at the winter yeah. meetings okay. at the biggest hotel and convention center I've ever seen. I needed a map to get to my room with like three stages of directions and there are color-coded carpets and each section of the giant convention center has a different name. Uh, and it seems like it would be very easy to get lost. And I think some free agent should just say that he'll sign which with whichever general manager can find him first, and they can just have a big scavenger hunt. That, that would be fun. That would be amazing. Um, so I have nothing to report yet, as I just arrived and went pretty much straight to my hotel room uh, to record this podcast. So... You have brought a topic, which we are going to talk about now. What is that topic? So my topic is the Blue Jays-Marlins trade. Um, Bob Elliott wrote a piece for the Toronto Sun about how the trade came together, um, a kind of classic TikTok narrative, and I am a total sucker for these sorts of pieces. I'm particularly a sucker for this one um, because I love the detail in it, and it is told quite breezily. And there is quite a bit in there that interested me. And so um, I don't think you've read it and probably most of our... I have, yes, I have at least quickly skimmed it. Mostly read it. Most of our listeners have probably not. But it's it's... at the Toronto Sun if they want to read it. And I'll put a link on the the podcast post. There you go. So in the meantime, uh, basically, I'm just going to steal all his best stuff and say it. Good. Okay. So... um, so I'm just going to go through the list of things that were interesting to me. So this trade, in a way, began in July um, when the Jays uh, approached the I, I believe, well, I think the Jays approached the Marlins uh, about Josh Johnson. The Marlins uh, requested Hechavaria uh, and Nicolino. The Blue Jays said, no, thank you. And that was that. So this is the start of the trade uh, four months ago. So then, four months later, the Marlins go to the Blue Jays and propose a trade, and that trade is Buck for Mathis. (laughs) That that is how the trade begins, with (laughs) Buck for Mathis, which I love. I think that's my favorite detail. (laughs) This trade, 12 players, hundreds of millions of dollars. uh, I mean, basically a franchise that might be, um, you know, that, that essentially committed suicide, uh, for the next few years, all that trade started with Mathis for Buck. Can I just uh, can I just go back to July for a second? I thought one of the the interesting things that the article talked about was how uh, the Jays pro scouting director proposed that since the Jays probably wouldn't be acquiring prospects this winter, 
because they are so prospect rich and would likely be trading for veterans, uh, he proposed that they pull everyone off minor league scouting and cover the big leagues uh, with the thought process that we want to get better, we'll be trading for major leaguers. And Anthopoulos said that they were able to get a lot of extra looks at guys in August and September because of that, uh, presumably some of the guys they traded for. Yeah, I, I also found that interesting at yeah. first, but it doesn't seem to me that he... I mean, I don't think that uh, while that starts the piece, it doesn't seem to me that he really drew a direct line between that no. and his trade. I mean, you know, I'm always a, to be honest, I'm I, I'm I'm always a little um, curious about uh, some of this pro scouting when you're talking about trades, because um, it's it's really hard to imagine what a pro scout would have seen about Mark Burley that would have made this trade happen or not happen. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Mark, guys like Burley are you know they're pretty well known yes commodities, and so. Um, I, I feel like he sort of set that up, but then it's not like it's not like in the 2000th word he's like they noticed. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I don't know how much it had to do with the trade, if anything, but I still yeah. found it interesting that that they would say that, given how much data there is on major league guys. You'd think that that the returns would kind of be diminishing when it comes to scouting veterans who've been around forever. I could see. A guy like Johnson who has had injury problems and and maybe you'd want to get someone there to look at him and talk to people who've seen him and all that sort of thing. Uh, But I don't know. You'd think that there's so much data and so much history on these guys that you wouldn't be able to add that much value. But I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you can. Anyway, continue with the narrative. So they're in Palm Springs or somewhere around Palm Springs for the, what is it, the owner's meeting? Yeah, I guess, or, or the GM's meeting, maybe? It, one of those, yeah. yeah, the GM meeting. I don't know if there is an owner's meeting. There's a GM's meeting, though, and I think that's where they were. So uh, they're meeting, uh, and this is where the Mathis for Buck move comes up. It's in the Marlins Villa. And um, so Anthopolis says, quote, none of our guys are off limits. Um, and the piece says that this is a different stance than some teams take into meetings with other clubs. One executive tells of a meeting with a team at the GM meetings and how the opposing team started by saying, quote, these seven players are off limits, mm-hmm. including two at Class A. Quote, we wasted our time. The guy gives a list of guys not available. We're thinking, dang, are you serious? A guy opening a notepad to read off names? I'd rather go for a colonoscopy. And this is interesting because uh, the idea of untouchable players gets, you know, thrown out a lot and you know thrown out in media reports and i think we all consider all players touchable in the right circumstances but we've talked about how it's more of a semantic thing or at least we thought it was yeah but i think that there's a there's a truth to it i think uh, that that maybe we don't quite give enough credit to which i mean i I think that there is probably uh, a, a list of players on teams uh where the the executives just simply feel that they probably like them more than the public uh, sentiment around those guys, and therefore it's it's very unlikely that they're going to get full value. And so it's essentially a way of, you know, removing them from the table and saying, hey, we it's it, you know we would move him in the right circumstances, but we like him more than you. We just we know that we do, and that might be what uh, I, I think. It is interesting though to see that that teams really do go into these meetings and say we're not trading these guys. They are essentially untouchable. I didn't really realize that that happened mm-hmm. in these. That was news to me. Um, and later on, when they talk about um, when the trade is actually going through, one of the um, one of the player development guys says, uh, or um, it could be Anthopolis said, 
I'm not gonna lie. It it hurt when he laid it all out. You, yeah, this, the the uh, this is the uh, player development guy says it hurt when he laid it all out. You feel attached to guys like Marisna and uh, Nicolina. We've had them since high school, and so you could see where there would be attachments mm-hmm. and uh, uh, where that might be sort of where a seed of the kind of untouchable comes in, where it's uh, you know you you are possessive of the things you possess. So anyway, I found that interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Reyes, Anthopolis asks, putting his foot on the armrest. <laughs> right. The, the, the picture that Elliot paints of Anthopolis is like some kid who's had too many pixie sticks or something. He's like jumping up and down and putting his feet on the chair. Uh, and apparently it was an effective strategy. Yes, exactly. I like to put on the chair. And it was interesting that the uh, the shortstop's name had not yet been mentioned. A, Mar- a Marlins executive asks, what is this, one-stop shopping? Uh, you sort of uh, think about this trade mainly, I think, from the Marlins' perspective of driving it. You know, it, it was like the Marlins went into this looking to mm-hmm. up everything. And the way that it works out um, or the way that it develops is not really that way at all. Um, uh, and it, certainly they were more willing to move players than you might have thought that a team would be. But it's really the Blue Jays in a lot of ways that are driving this. The, the Marlins go in looking for Jeff Mathis, floating Josh Johnson, um, and it's it seems to be Anthopolis that pushes Burley into it, and it's explicitly Anthopolis that pushes Reyes into it. So that's interesting because it sort of counters the narrative that I had in my, in my head. Mm-hmm. After the one-hour meeting, both sides adjourn. The entire thing essentially happened in an hour. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I, I noticed that too. It seemed very quick. Um, so then so then he describes how the trade almost falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> Again, <laughs> Jeff Mathis plays a central role. <laughs> every, quote, every proposal the Marlins asked for him, and every time we declined because we were uncomfortable including <laughs> Anthopolis didn't want to include him, he says, out of a sense of loyalty because they had just signed him to a contract extension, which you can understand. It's, I think it's still amusing, mm-hmm. uh, something that we have to reckon with, that baseball teams want Jeff Mathis so much. I mean, this is becoming something that I think everybody has to deal with because um, Jeff Mathis is, uh, I don't know, he, he doesn't seem to be the punchline in baseball that he <laughs> Yeah. And so anyway, it ended up happening, though, when the Blue Jays decided, ah, I guess we can part with Jeff Mathis. Um, and uh, then later on, we had people in our office who would not have done the trade. Anthopolis told reporters it was a very fair deal. It was hard to give up a lot of these young players. I'm not surprised that there were people in his office who would not have done the trade. And it would be interesting to have heard from them. Um, but there's yeah. nobody. I mean, assuming... I mean, after every trade, even if it's sort of acknowledged that one team really fleeced the other, you always hear the general manager who seems to have gotten the better of the deal saying, well, we gave up a lot of great players and it was it was tough to pull the trigger and mm-hmm. all that sort of thing, even if it's a total lopsided deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how much I buy into that. I'm sure... That's a good point. Even in fantasy. If, when, right, when, you don't just immediately start gloating as soon as it goes through. Right. Start <laughs> explaining why it was so hard to get up. <laughs> right. Del Young right. got so much upside. Yeah, because you, you want people to trade with you again in the future, yeah. so you don't want to show them up. 
Um, and uh, slightly off the narrative, but also interesting, uh, the Marlins had ranked all 29 teams' farm systems. The top three in their view were the Royals, the Rangers, and the Blue Jays. Um, and uh, those are all, you know, I think those are all pretty well acknowledged to be very good farm systems, but it is uh, interesting to hear a team ranked them. Uh, you, you never really hear one team's rankings, and it'll be interesting, I think, when organizational rankings come out on our site and at Baseball America later this year to see uh, how different uh, those are. Yes, I agree. All right, well, why don't you go um, schmooze? Yes, I'm going to shake hands and, and kiss some babies on behalf of Baseball Perspectives. Uh, and we will be back with a Tuesday show. And uh, if you want us to email your or answer your emails on the Wednesday email show, send them to us at podcast at baseballprospectus.com. <laughs>